God is good, isn't he? Yes, definitely so. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, it's good to be here and it's uh, good to be sharing with you this morning. Been thinking it's uh, six weeks now since uh, we've been in the church and um, we've discovered that there's an awful lot of names to remember. <laughs> and we've also discovered there's a lot of great people in this church. You know, we've been listening to your stories. And as we listen to your stories, we're just amazed at the goodness of God and how he's been working in your lives over all these years. Wherever you've been, whether you're new to Wynnum or uh, whether you've been around a long time, God is so good. Well, this morning we're going to be um, going back to the 23rd Psalm. It's almost, I, I think the whole gospel is there in the 23rd Psalm. It's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. We use it at weddings and we use it at funerals, don't we? And uh, we've got to learn to use it a lot more in that space between um, birth and death. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Let's read Psalm 23 together. I've taken the words from the New King James Bible because it, it's much more familiar to us, I think, um, this way. And so let's read it together, shall we? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I go walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. That's his word to us. How good that is. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, this morning, we just thank you that you're the good shepherd. I thank you that you care for us. I thank you, Father, that you have drawn us together here today, some for the very first time, some, Father, have been here for a long time, but nevertheless, our hearts are open. We want to hear from you. There is no accident. We're here today. So we pray in Jesus' name, would you just open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to hear what you would say to us. But Father, too, we just want to remember again the youth and the children as they travel back, finish up and travel back. We want to remember again that great country of Ukraine and we want to bring that country before you and pray for peace in that land. We pray for your blessing of peace we pray for wisdom for the leaders and we pray, Father, for an end to conflict. We pray too, Father, for Russia and we pray that you would bless Russia with open 
eyes that they might see the error of attacking another nation. And I pray that you would draw them to a place where they would see, uh, seek contentment where they are and seek to bless Ukraine instead of attacking. And now, Lord, open, your, uh, open our eyes and our ears to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there in the middle of Psalm 23, we've got those words. I will fear no evil. How appropriate those words are, those words are for the times in which we live. You know, the Bible says in the last days, people's hearts will fail them because of fear. And we have in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 26, Jesus is talking about the very days, I believe, in which we live. And he said, on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for their heavenly bodies will be shaken. Let me read that again from the New King James Version, or a part of it, where it says, men's hearts failing them from fear. We see that? People's hearts failing because of fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You know, fear makes us tremble before an enemy. And the Bible says our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8. And he is there as a, as a roaring lion seeking someone to, vow, to devour. Now, we need to understand this morning that the purpose of the roar is to paralyze the opponent. It terrorizes them and leaves them helpless in fear. An animal can become so terrorized by the, the roar of a bigger animal that they forget to run. They're terrorized, they're frozen in the fear. And the Bible says your enemy is like that, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, let me tell you this morning. If he is looking for someone to devour, don't you think there must be someone that he can't devour? Hey? And the difference, I believe, between those who can be devoured and those who can't, all depends on how you react to the roaring. When life roars at you, we respond with terror and fear, just like an animal, and we forget who we are and we forget whose we are. And if you forget 
and you forget that God gave you uh, what God gave you and you forget what God has brought you out of. When that happens, we become a candidate for the lion's dinner. You've got to remember who you are. You need to remember whose you are. And when the lion roars, you won't ever be able to stop the roaring, but you can, be, you can refuse to be intimidated by the roaring. We need to admit, I think, if you're like me, there's some things in life that shake us up, aren't there? You know, but there's a difference between being concerned and being petrified. There's a difference between being careful and being intimidated. There's a difference between being cautious and being negative. You see, fear stops us from doing what we are able to do. And the enemy loves it when we're afraid. The headlines, 2019, fires raging across many of the southern states in particular and western states. The media says it's going to get worse. 2020, the pandemic comes. The media says it's going to get worse. This year, the floods come. The media says the newspapers have got it there. It's going to get worse. War comes. It's going to get worse. Prices of petrol rise. It's going to get worse. Have you heard that before? It's going to get worse. You hear a news item and then you hear that little word, but. But it's going to get worse. Those words, it's going to get worse, they're not new. You need to understand that's the lion's roar. You need to understand that right back in the Garden of Eden when you've got Adam and Eve, what happens is the devil comes and he says to them, hey, it looks good, but in effect, he's well ahead of his time. The newspapers are picking it up now and the television's picking it up now, but the devil was doing it back there in the garden. He was saying in a different kind of a language, it's going to get worse. God's holding back. He's not giving you the full story. And if you continue to follow God, it's going to get worse. He lies. He uses terror. Anything just to keep you and me frozen in the terror. Frozen in worry. And we need to understand this morning, you know, the Bible tells us that fear is a spirit. Now, you can't shoot a spirit. And vaccines don't kill spirits. Lockdowns don't stop spirits. And protests don't stop spirits. But if we're going to deal with the spirit of the Lord, 
in this world, we need to understand that we must get down on our knees and draw near to God and worship him and declare who he is and plead the blood of Jesus and walk in the spirit in holiness. And then when we start to do that, every high thing must come down. In 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7, we read this. He talks about the spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You need to underline this verse in the Bible, in your Bible. God has not given us, he has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given us what? Of power and of love and a sound mind. We need to believe it. Because in 1 John 4, 8, it says there, there is no fear in love. Another verse to underline for times like this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we get there. The antidote for fear is what? Love. Love casts out fear. Love, you see, it comes from God because God is love. And you've got to decide whether you're going to live your life from fear, that's what the devil wants, or reach out to God, the God of love, God who is love, who helps us in this time of need. Now, the Lord is very clear when he talks about us people. Sometimes I wish he wasn't quite as clear as he is, sometimes, because he calls us sheep. Has anyone else ever called you a sheep? No. No? No, you don't want that either, do you? No, not Okay. Psalm 23. He calls you a sheep. John 10, he calls you a sheep. Ezekiel 34, he calls a sheep. Revelation 7, Hebrews 13, he calls you and me sheep. It's almost a kind way of saying you're silly. Don't we use that term silly sheep? No, God doesn't do that. He just stops with sheep. But you see why we attach that word silly is because we've come to understand sheep as vulnerable, easily intimidated. And what does God do? Jesus makes it very clear. He sends us out, sheep, among wolves. Matthew ten sixteen says that. So here he sends us sheep out among wolves. And as I read the Bible, I discover that God wants you to be vulnerable. God wants me to be vulnerable. Why would God do that? Make us sheep when we live amongst wolves. We read in the Bible, he has not given us a spirit of fear but power and of a sound mind. But as human beings, if you're like me, it's, it's more like 
give me a gun, give me something I can, a, a, a cutting word perhaps, an angry word that just puts people there in their place. And if I'm a sheep, why doesn't God give us, why does God make us refer to us as sheep when we could be something with claws or teeth or some beaks maybe, hey? He makes us sheep. Have you ever heard of a football team? I know we've got the rams and, and rams are kind of a wild sheep, aren't they? You know, the, the, the muscly sheep. But, you know, we never hear about the Sydney sheep, do we? You know, we never hear about a team called the sheep. No one wants that. And so that gives us a picture of what the Bible is saying. The shepherd is sending us out amongst wolves. The good shepherd now is sending his sheep out into dangerous places and every so often you will meet a wolf. Now let's go back to Psalm 23. Sounds like a long introduction, but necessary to, to set the scene because we need to understand where we're at in this world. We're like sheep among wolves. And in Psalm 23, let's look at the first three verses again. And I don't know whether you can see it um, there on the screen, but the word he is actually in green. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters, beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So in verse 1, we've got, he is my shepherd, and we have everything that we need. And so the first point I want to make out of this psalm this morning is he leads you. He leads you. You notice there in the picture, the shepherd's out in front, there was a time uh, Anne and I were over in um, the Holy Land and we were just travelling uh, north of Jerusalem, heading up into that area of Samaria. And um, we saw a shepherd walking along, so different to the Australian scene. Here's the, the shepherd walking along and there's these sheep, maybe 50 or 60 sheep, just straggling along. But they looked very much like what you see in the picture behind Four times in these first three verses, we read, He, He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths. So where is He? He's out in front. He's showing the way. And if we're going to go through life, we need to be able to see Him out in front, leading the way. And he does this so that we can face up to the second part of this psalm. And every day, every day God's desire, the good shepherd's desire for you and for me is that we might find rest, refreshment and restoration. And if we just expand those three things for a moment and go to the next slide... 
as we rest, it's not staying in bed all day. That might help you escape from some things in the world, but you're going to get bed sores, so, you know, something else to worry about. Rest. It's more like you take up your Bible every morning and you read the promises of God and you take the promises of God and you turn them into prayers. I don't know whether you do this when you're reading, when you're reading the Bible or not, but you need to take the Word of God and turn the promises of God into prayers. And many times I've had my Bible open and I've said to the Lord, Lord, you are saying this. And I, because it is your word, I'm expecting this to happen. And we need to start taking the word of God and trusting his promises. And believe it or not, that is actually rest. It's the kind of rest the Bible is talking about. It's taking the promises and believing his promises. And the second one is refreshment. We love refreshment, don't we? And there's a beautiful picture of refreshment here, you know, still waters, green pastures, restoration and refreshment. And do you know what that is? Well, Andrew talked about it a few weeks ago. He talked about gratitude. It's living in an attitude of gratitude. It's living in a place where we're taking what is in the rest for us and using it as refreshment. So as you go through the day and you're faced with situations at work, at home, or wherever you are, shopping or whatever, you're taking the promises of God and you're using them as refreshment and you're saying, well, God, I'm just trusting that this is going to work out. I just rest. I just trust what I read earlier. You battled earlier in your prayer time. Now you're thankful. Well, thank you, God. Everything's going crazy, upside down. I wasn't expecting the doctor to say that. But I'm resting in your promises. And then restoration. We ask, we receive. And sometimes we need to go looking for the receiving. You know, sometimes we're saying, Lord, I need you to help me. So what do you do? You lift your head and you start to look. Look so that you can receive. Because God doesn't always give it to us wrapped exactly as we're asking. Sometimes it comes wrapped a little differently. We want God's answer sometimes wrapped in beautiful gift paper. And sometimes it comes wrapped like fish and chips. But it's what's inside. And he does that to see if we're ready to receive his restoration. Well, that's the first three verses. But we come to the crunch, the crisis, the middle. I will fear no evil because he is with us. He's in front of us, but he's with us. And in verses one, um, in verses uh, four through to uh, five, four and five, um, I don't know whether you can see that. No, maybe not. But I've highlighted in two different colours. You can see it. Great. I like like to hear that. Okay. You notice 
first three verses is about he and the second two verses are about me he and be and look at the me part first of all it says yea though i walked there it is they yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows then i've highlighted the word you it's actually he and me but it's personalizing no longer is he now out in front leading us he is right here and it's like instead of he out there it is now you god right with me you and me together are in the valley of the shadow of death i'm in the valley of the shadow of death but i'm walking i'm in the valley of the shadow of death but i'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death i'm in the valley of the shadow of death but i am going through to somewhere else i'm walking through it and we are walking through life and we're surrounded by shadows and i read the paper and it's a shadow i hear what people are saying on social media i need to understand it's only a shadow i need to hear what when i hear what people are saying about me i know i have to know it's only a shadow when i think about how bad i am and how i've messed up realize it is only a shadow and we've got to live with shadows wherever we go in life there's going to be shadows but we know the shepherd and we know the shadow and a shadow can't hurt you it's an image it's a shape the shadows are there in life but you've got to keep walking and i'm having to learn what others are saying about me perhaps and learn to keep walking i'm having to hear a doctor's report and keep walking i'm having to deal with bullies in the workplace not here but and keep walking i'm walking through shadows and there is no doubt we're living in a shadowy time right now and we're walking in a valley of shadows and it's very real and it's the, if these are the final moments of history we and we're the generation that has been chosen to walk through this time god has called called us to follow him he knew about the shadow when he called you he knew about the wolves when he called you and i would not be able to go through life without the shepherd because the shepherd is my defense against the shadows let me tell you something about shadows you can't have shadows unless there's lights nearby tree shadows you see on the screen there tree shadows have you ever thought about them during the day 
hot weather. Where do you go? You see a tree. You run to the, sha- uh, you run to the shadow and you find protection. Nighttime, you can walk through the same area and all of a sudden that shadow that was attractive and provided shade by day now seems to house all sorts of evil, scary things. And what attracts you in the lights repels you in the darkness. We need to understand in Psalm 23, the shepherd carries the lights. The shepherd is the lights. And it's only because he is there that we can even see the shadows. Because if the shepherd's not there, then you're just walking in darkness. Turn all the lights out in a room, no lights, those shadows. We need to understand that. Psalm 23. If the Lord was not my shepherd, when I'm walking through that dark valley, there would only be darkness. But because the shepherd is there, we see the shadows. And I will fear no evil. That's got to become a personal statement. I will fear no evil because if the shepherd is with you, every day you need to be able to declare, I will fear no evil. There was a fellow I worked with at one, on one occasion. His name was Jeff. And he said the scariest year for him was the year that he turned 43. We asked why. He said his father died of a heart attack at 43. He said a generation earlier, someone in the family died of a heart attack at age 43. And he said, when he got to year 43, age 43, he said, there was something that was building in him that says, you're not going to make it this year either. A shadow. Maybe that number's changed to 52 now. I'm not sure. But um, you need to understand. In the shadows, there is light. But you've got to look for it. And there's also a table filled with good things. And in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Anointing, um, well, first of all, there's a table. There's a table. And it's filled with all sorts of good things. Now, have you ever tried to eat a meal when um, you're apprehensive about something happening? You know, you, you tend to push it away and say, I'm not hungry. Here's a table spread out. There are wolves all around. We're living in the presence of wolves. And he says, sit down and eat the feast. And that's a word for many of you here this morning. You you are overcome by the wolves. All you can see is wolves around you. And the shepherd says, you and me together can eat the feast and he anoints our head with oil i i've heard many interpretations of this but you know oil is a symbol of the holy spirit and you get this symbol of 
the Holy Spirit just being poured out, running down, saturating, protecting our minds from the fear that builds when we're not looking at the light. And what happens is, the picture is oil pouring down, covering our brains where the fear is lodged. And our cup, which I believe is our hearts, runs over as something shifts, almost with the oil, with the Holy Spirit's help, it shifts from head to heart. And the Holy Spirit fills us, baptizes us, immerses us in himself. And in verse 20, uh, 23, 4b, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They're weapons. Where? In the shepherd's hand. And the shepherd fights for you. And you don't have to worry because the shepherd has the staff, the rod and the staff. You don't have to worry when the enemy comes in like a flood because the spirit of the Lord is holding up a standard against him. He can fight so well and we don't have to worry. And when we try to fight, he says, be still and know that I am God. We need to stand firm and see the salvation of God. We need to understand the scripture that says the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God can fight and prayer is your fighting position. When we pray, we're calling on the shepherd and when the shepherd comes, it's you and me, him and me. We call on Jesus and when we do, he prepares a table before us in the presence of enemies. He'll give you rest, refreshment and restoration. He'll bless you while others talk about you. He will bless you while the, the news says there's more to come, there's worse to come. Remember Peter, Apostle Peter, book of Acts. He's about to be executed. He knows he's about to be executed. What's he doing? He's asleep. He's asleep. Resting before his execution. And of course he was delivered out of that. So our cup runs over. We praise out of grateful hearts. We're not praising him about the shadow. We're praising him in the shadow. And there's one verse left that I want us to just focus on for a moment um, here this morning, and that is uh, verse 6. He is behind you. That's my third point. He is behind you. He is in front of us. He is with us, and he is behind us. And it says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever so you're in the valley there's shadows everywhere and you know there's lights but sometimes you can't see it because you're focusing on the shadows and you turn around and when you turn around there's twins following you these twins are strange looking twins you look at them and they look like sheepdogs the analogy turns to an Australian one. We've got two sheepdogs behind us, but they're not growling, they're not chasing, they are supporting. 
and they're coming in behind and one sheepdog is called mercy and one sheepdog is called goodness and this goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life with God before us, the good shepherd, God with us and God behind us. We're surrounded. His goodness is when God gives me something, God gives us something we don't deserve. His mercy is when God doesn't give me something I deserve. And we experience his provision and part. His goodness and his mercy, they're following. And they keep us moving in the right direction. And fear comes, you see, when you fear punishment or you don't have what you need. And the enemy comes and whispers into your ear and he says, remember when you did that? The shepherd comes and he whispers into our ear, uh, into your ear, remember I brought you out of that. That's his goodness and mercy. It's the shepherd's voice. He is so close, whispering, I brought you out of that. And although the enemy roars, he won't be able to devour you and you can look at him in the eye and say, I will fear no evil. You see, fear is a terrible thing. And some people are afraid to live. Some are afraid to fly. Some are afraid to try again. Some are afraid to have another relationship. Some are afraid to talk to people. Fear is a terrible thing. And some are lonely and don't want others to get close to them. Some are afraid of rejection and and you can be saved, but you can still allow fear to control your life. And if you allow fear to overtake you, It will rob you of joy. I will fear no evil. Let me tell you about a lady who came to see me one day, was sitting in my office. I was a pastor of a church. This lady had talked to me many times before. She'd had an affair in another country where they were, uh, she was married to her husband, they had children. And she had an affair with someone else, left her husband, left her children, and went off to form a new relationship. In the middle of that, she committed her life to Christ. But she was still stuck in the valley of shadows. And every time we would meet, she would tell me how bad a person she was She would tell me how bad a thing she had done and she would tell me how miserable she was because of something she did back there and she was living in the shadow of this thing. And I said something to her that I've never said before in talking with someone like this. And if you're helping other people, please don't use this technique It's not orthodox, it's not even, probably even legal, I'm not sure. Do you know what I said to her? You deserve a good flogging. (laughs) See what I mean? Don't use that anywhere else. I said, you deserve a jolly good flogging. And what's more, you deserve 
not to have any friends. You deserve to walk alone through life carrying what you've done. And you even deserve someone coming and pushing a crown of thorns down on your head. And she got it. She said, Jesus went through that, didn't he? He was flogged. He was deserted, despised and rejected by men. <clears throat> by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with death. And she started to quote the scripture. And she burst into tears. And she said, he took it for me. He took it for me. And she was set free. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 7, it says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace his goodness, that you've been saved. And verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in, the ki in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Understand this. God is not meaning to be cruel when he calls you a sheep. Jesus has made a little lower than sheep and is called a lamb. And he's led like a lamb to the slaughter and put on a cross. And there he died to pay for your sins and mine. He died to pay for those things that keep us in a place of darkness where there is no light. He died so that we might live. And out of the grave on that Easter morning, there doesn't come a little lamb, there comes a roaring lion. And the roaring lion comes and declares, I am risen, I am with you. And the roaring lion says in his, some of his last words to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel and share this good news with others. And he declares, I am with you always. For how long? To the very end of the age. Surely, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, not here in the church building, but I will dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. Praise the Lord. This morning, I just want to say one more thing before I finish. There may be some here this morning who have never experienced God's love and his forgiveness. You've never, 
In the words that we often say, you've never committed your life to Christ. And I'm just going to ask, in fact, I'm going to pray. And as I finish the prayer, I'm just going to ask if this morning you've never committed your life to Christ and you'd like to do that this morning for you just to raise your hand. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do after that. As the service is ending, if you've raised your hand, I would like you simply to come down the front here and I'm going to wait there with Anne, my wife, and um, we'll just be there to pray with you. So let me pray. And then if this morning you know you need to commit your life to Christ, I'm just going to ask you to stand. and uh, no, no, Sorry, to put your hand up. And um, they'll just alert me to who you are and then we'll meet with you afterwards. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now, first of all, that you would break off fear across this congregation in Jesus' mighty name. I pray and declare this morning that Jesus is our shepherd. He is the good shepherd and knows what's best for us. And so in the light of that and in the light of the fact that you know that we're living in the presence of wolves, I break off the, the spirit of fear across this place in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray that you would release us this morning in Jesus' name from fear in our lives. And I pray that you would release into this place a great boldness and a new love for you and a new love for others that we might know what it is to walk in the light as you are in the light and have fellowship with one another and know that it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all our sin. And I pray this morning, oh God, that you would free us now to walk in the victory in Jesus' mighty name. And now, Lord, I just pray for those who have never, ever come to that place of committing their life to Christ. Just release them to respond to you now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.